Hey, everybody, want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard, and man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do here on these Before You Quit podcasts. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Hey, talking about when serving gets hard, man, what a time we live in today. Who would have thought, even three months ago, that this would be our story? I am recording this in the midst of the pandemic, where we are staying at home, places are closed, people have lost their jobs. Uh, my son lives in New York City, actually came down with the virus when he was at a wedding in Nashville, Tennessee. Ended up being quarantined there for two weeks. I went up and picked him up, brought him back here to Tacoa, Georgia, and he's just waiting for things to open up. So life is different. A lot has changed. But my heart, and this is really the purpose of this podcast today, has mostly gone out to the pastor. Uh, My interest is those in ministry. That is the reason why I do this ministry, Fruitful Vine Ministry, and also do these podcasts. Uh, But my burden is for the pastor who is longing to uh, shepherd well his people who have been severely tested. Uh, who, who would have ever thought that churches would be closed for several months? In fact, if someone had told you a year ago, hey, in March and April and May of 2020, your churches will be closed, we'd think, hey, we've been invaded by Cuba or <laughs> Russia or China, and we're experiencing persecution. Uh, well, that's not been the case, but the impact on the church has been the same. Uh, so here we are. Uh, So what I want to do today is to discuss with three pastor friends of mine what it's like to pastor during the coronavirus. And these pastors live here in Tacoa, Georgia, and they sat with me over Zoom. In fact, the connection was a little bit wobbly sometimes. Hopefully I've been able to edit all that out. And we talked about what it's like for them uh, in ministry right now and what they expect ministry to look like when they reach that place where church life becomes normal again, if it ever will be. Uh, so I sat down with Pastor Brian Rockwell of First Alliance Church here in Tacoa, Pastor Jay Mosser of Carnes Creek Baptist Church in Tacoa, Georgia, and Pastor Aaron Santor of Grace Fellowship also in Tacoa, Georgia. And uh, I just it just was a, a great time. In fact, I got a text from one of the pastors afterwards just saying it was so good to get the perspective from another pastor. And what I'd like for you to do, I really encourage you more than ever in this in this podcast episode to share this podcast with your pastor, with your elders, because I have a strong feeling that they need to be encouraged right now. And while you're at it, why not tell them how much you appreciate him and his family, his ministry during this very strange and very difficult time. So we're going to jump in and join that conversation right now. All right, as I stated in the introduction, I have uh, three pastors, good friends of mine as well, and they are local pastors, Brian Rockwell and uh, Jay Mosser and Aaron Santor. And Jay, I always uh, mess up your name. I did that correctly, right? We're good friends and I still don't get your name right. (laughs) So um, we're, we're limited on time because of Zoom and these guys have some other obligations as well. So we're going to jump right into this. We're going to be talking about what it's like to pastor during the uh, coronavirus season. I think when this is all done, we're going to be so tired of hearing that. There's a lot of terms we're going to be tired of hearing, aren't we, guys? Like, what's your number one term you don't want to hear again, Brian? Uh, Social distancing. Okay. Uh, Jay? Uh, I just don't like hearing COVID-19. Okay. (laughs) How about you, Aaron? (laughs) Face masks. 
Face mask, okay. <laughs> Mine will be shelter at home. Never, yeah. never again do I want to hear. We, we need to penalize our people when we hear, hear certain terms like that. But anyway, this is serious stuff. And uh, so here, here's a question. We're just going to move through this. Um, Brian, how, how has pastoring changed you during this, this season? Again, it's been such a short season, but it's been so life-changing. Yeah, it's for me, I mean, even before this, if I missed one Sunday without people, and would come back the next Sunday, it felt like it had been forever since I'd seen folks. And, and I'd say that this has just multiplied that even more. Um, mm. Not gathering together, not seeing each other um, has been, it's been very difficult. Mm. Yeah. yeah I, well, I miss that quite a bit. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Jay, what about you? Yeah. For, for me, I'm, I, I hate the uh, the screen time, like just in general. And here and, we are doing it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, you make do with the best of what technology affords you, and you'd be you know, you're, we're thankful for it. Um, but the idea of trying to get used to speaking to a screen because you don't know how long this is lasting has been awful. You know, the concept of looking at a screen that's almost like talking into a mirror and thinking that other people are hearing you it messes with me. I, I I'm not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, we have a neighbor who's a professor and she was teaching a class and she didn't require everybody to actually be on video. And finally she wondered, I wonder if so-and-so is on this call and she kept asking questions. And then when they finished the class, that gal was still logged in for like two hours. And so she knew she had gone to sleep. So I'm sure, you know, we're always concerned about our people sleeping during our sermons. We really, really are concerned about that now. <laughs> uh, what about you, Aaron? Um, I, I think for me, it's, it's been just a, a good uh, reminder, a callback. Just, uh, you know, it's real easy to get uh, locked into uh, just, you know, study, sermon prep, admin of all the stuff that that's necessary and good in, in, in pastoring. But just... Uh, Sometimes you, you end up missing out on the the, uh, uh, the the personal relational aspect of things that first and foremost were shepherding people and and so there's been a number of times uh, where I've you know in this I, I've been forced to look for opportunities to connect um, even though it's it's more time consuming even though it, it uh, um, you know it, it's because it's because it's the most necessary thing yeah well let's talk about that a little bit how how creative have have you had to be I think you mentioned something when we were talking personally not long ago about when people have birthdays? Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we had, uh, we, you know, in our uh, live stream, we, we announced birthdays as part of our normal typical service on a Sunday morning, birthdays coming up that week. And so we actually had about three people that had birthdays on the same day. It was right at the same day that they uh, started the shelter in place order here in Georgia. Um, and so real quickly before, they, before that went into effect at 6 p.m., uh, we got a bunch of people together and did a did a birthday parade all over all over Tacoma, Georgia. Here, hitting hitting everybody's houses, a drive by with banners and streamers and honking horns and raising a ruckus. And just 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 you know, it's 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 what family does. We do silly, goofy things like that to to let let people know that they're loved and thought of and and all that. Uh, even even yesterday, I had a, a tool that I, I had to return and. Typically, in the you know a couple months ago, I would have just said sent him the guy a notice saying, "Hey, I left it at the church. You can pick it up there." But I thought, you know what? I'm going to swing by his house and just and drop it off just to have hmm. that measure of face to face time with somebody. So it's just those opportunities where I would have just blown past those in the past, but now I'm 
I'm being more intentional about, about yeah, making that, those those. That's connections. wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, Jay and Brian, Brian, you go first. What what has been you know, how have you been connecting with your people? And also, how, what are you hearing from them? I mean, wh- how are they responding back? Well, I, I think the number one thing is people are ready to be back together. You know, they miss each other. Um, definitely, you know, their church family and family is a big, you know, a big part of that. We're, we're the body of Christ. But I mean, I get a lot of people that talk about our church family and wanting to see each other. And uh, I think that's the coolest thing I see on Facebook or uh, Instagram is even people posting saying we miss you and going on our Facebook page. Our, our Facebook page has been a, a big connector for people. It really has. Yes. People using that and saying, hey, this is what's going on. These are where some needs are. Um, we have different um, discipling communities, small groups that are using Zoom, using Facebook to come together and meet, but also um, you know, we have one group that's very involved with the Hope Center here in town that provides for needy families and individuals, and they've been using Facebook to communicate and helping do baked goods and um, just helping gather things together. So, you know, there's been a real uh, uh, focus on what the community needs during this time, um, but also uh, just coming together via Facebook and technology. Yeah, I think you touch on you touch on something with you know in regard to the longing that people have to to worship uh, together. Um, I mean, we're made for that as believers. You know, we're we're made for community. We're made to worship God, and when that's taken away from us, there's it there's there's kind of a fasting element to this, isn't there, Jay? What how have you reflected as you've been observing your own people and your burden for them as they're not able to come together? Uh, well, one of the things that we did at the at the outset of, of moving towards like a an online platform um, was to try to make some some of those theological points uh, specific and clear. Um, so, what we've been saying is we're not having we're not having church online uh, because we wanted to emphasize the fact that church requires community in person. Mm-hmm. And so we've gone the route of trying to say, I want to pay close attention to what you're missing. And allow that to help kind of fuel your your desire to have that which is missing. So the the term you use, you know, fasting, um, is kind of helpfully applicable here. Is um, we have not been able to enjoy the the one of the core aspects of what church is, uh, and so because of that, let's pay attention to it and miss it well. Um, and so I, I didn't want to go the route of saying, well, we're just going to slide into an online church setup and just. Um, call this, you know, what we're doing now, this is always intended to be, you know, a, a means of getting from healthy spot back to the healthy spot. Yeah. I, I love that. I love, I love your, your emphasis on, on theology and this, how, how's theology driving this? Um, <clears throat> you know, this is not a stopgap measure, you know, like, Oh, in the meantime, let's just do this. I mean, this is a time to build something within the uh, with, with so your your congregation understands um, the the value and the import, and they have inherently understood the value of worship and and corporate worship because they're longing for it. But if there's a theological base for that, that really helps. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure in the devo- devotionals you guys have done. In fact, I might have heard one of you use this. Uh, you know, I think it's Psalm 42: "As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. When can I go meet with God? You know, there's this yearning, this longing to to re-engage again in what has been missing uh in your life um so um 
Aaron, how, what, what, what has been your message? Um, sorry, sometimes I get phone calls and just hung up on my parents there. Um, what, what has, Jay's just talked a little bit about what his message has been, his stress, theologically, biblically. What has you, as you reflect on your own preparation, your own teaching, what, what's your message been uh, during this time? Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's progressed as as the dynamic has changed of the of the uh, of the crisis, and so you know when we I was out of town the week I think kind of the weekend everything kind of broke loose, but when I came back it was suddenly there's toilet paper shortages and, and all these sorts of things, and so at first it was just simply you know letting the the peace uh, of Christ guard our hearts and minds, and so that we're, we're not we're not being reactionary, but we're setting our minds on. Christ or setting our minds on things above and then and then as we, we move through that you know understanding that again some of what Jay was saying the church hasn't been shut down actually you know we, we say all the time the church is not a building it's it's, it's mm-hmm. a people and so if that's the case then this is a great opportunity we've now been uh, deployed into our neighborhoods and told to stay there um, and so what a great opportunity to connect with our, our neighbors and reach out to them these are great opportunities for the church to shine and and this past week, you know, we, we touched on, you know, okay, as, as we're thinking now about returning to normalcy, um, asking the question, why go back to normal? Why go back to the way things used to be? Mm-hmm. Let's take the opportunity to do a reset here and, and change the dynamics. You know, as things have changed in our lives, we don't have to go back to normal where we were complaining about being pulled in 18 different directions and being overbooked and overscheduled, you know, and how we, we've learned some things. And so it's, oh, it's yeah. been those oh, types of c- thoughts. Certainly. And, yeah, looking to make yeah. the most of this opportunity. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll a, I'll ask this in, in a little bit. I'll ask how you, you sense you're, you're going to be different as a pastor and what your church is going to be like that's going to be unlike the, you know, before. Um, by the way, I just, it just struck me, you're talking about toilet paper. There's a lot of toilet paper in churches right now because they're not being used. So if there's a shortage, we know where to go, <laughs> right? <laughs> where to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brian. What what uh, what has been your what have you found yourself most burdened about or for during this time? I, I would say just the longing to be together. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. we were we were had already been in the Book of Acts as the church and working through that, and we haven't changed that. We've continued walking through the Book of Acts. Of course, we did look at Good Friday and Easter, you know, and spent time focusing on those, but. Continuing through the book of Acts, and, and the book of Acts is constantly about reaching out and sharing the gospel and um, paying attention to who, who you're around and, and discipleship and growth. And so, I mean, even just a sermon we had uh, that I did a few weeks ago, you know, the topics were reach out with the gospel, reach out with growth and discipleship, and then mm-hmm. uh, reach out in generosity. And you know, I mean, for me, even though we're supposed to be sheltering in place, you know, there's, I encourage people, how, how can you be creative to do those things even in this time? And it's important to do that. Yeah, that there, there's, there's a danger there too, isn't there? Uh, and that this will affect our leadership moving forward that, uh, I mean, Jay, have you thought of that, that maybe people get comfortable not meeting together and they're comfortable with this setup? Is that something you've thought about and preparing yourself for moving forward? Uh, one of the things that, one of the reasons why we were specific about saying this is not church, um, this is a Band-Aid, was because we didn't, we wanted to be able to say this is church in the middle of the crisis as well as outside the crisis. We wanted to have a theologically consistent um, description of, of how we understand ourselves. And so by saying that 
the online platform is not church during the crisis makes it to where that when we get out of it, I can continue to say, you need to come to be with the body because the being with us is, is, is the blessing that, um, that the church affords us. Mm-hmm. The body of Christ is meant to be um, uh, appreciated that way. Um, and so, yeah, so the tag, tag on that, the, the church is meant to be, uh, what is going to matter to your folks, you, you hope, as, as a result of this, when, when things get back to normal, using air quotes there? Um, what I'm hoping we recognize is, uh, I think y'all, y'all have already said it, but the, the concept of, of the reset, I, I like that phrase a lot. Um, uh, the, the idea that we need to be able to think through what's important and hopefully what we come out with is um, enjoying the relationship aspect of, of community, but like in the horizontal platform, but also in the vertical, you know, being able to appreciate that, uh, so much of scripture is oriented towards a relationship with God and with people. You know, the two greatest commandments, love God, love others. Um, and so much of that is done in face-to-face settings, relational settings. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I really hope that when we get back to a, a regular uh, availability, that that's something that everybody wants to continue to press in on. Yeah. And Aaron, what, what do you sense will be different for you and for your congregation how how will you how how has this changed you as a pastor and uh, how do you feel it's changing your folks yeah i mean we've been we've been saying for i mean and i'm sure other other pastors as well but just you know what, I, what i've always noticed in my life is is that is is you know the the enemy is always trying to separate us from the word of god and from fellowship with one another and so as as soon as that fellowship is cut off even even if it's something innocent like a vacation or, or just even for a week, I, I, you know, you can see the enemy start to work and discouragement mm. and um, think things go south really quick. And so um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, for as much as we've been communicating this in the years prior to the crisis, um, that this will sort of be a teaching moment where it really locks in and we really get it uh, as far as that, you know, the, that the gathering isn't optional. Uh, even as I was just, you know, pondering over these things, uh, you know, scripture i'm forgetting the reference but you know don't forsake the gathering together all the more as you see the day approaching so as we draw nearer to the return of christ this gathering aspect of our lives uh becomes becomes that much more important um, and crucial to our to our um, our ability to persevere and walk through whatever trials that, that lay ahead of us yeah that's in hebrews 10 i think yeah. and the be- the beauty of that is that it it's, it revolves around celebrating the redemptive work of Christ, which is what right. church is all about. Uh, that leads me to ask you guys how the gospel, you know, we, we hear a lot about how, oh, this is an opportunity for the gospel to reach where it has not reached before. Um, I, I got, there was actually a comment from a friend of mine in England uh, related to the church that I pastored when I was there back some 20 years ago. And they, and they are seeing people actually responding to, to the gospel and coming and asking questions. There's a lot of fear that my son and I were talking about this yesterday, that it, it's interesting the, the, the difference between uh, the way Christians are responding to this and the fear and the, the almost near panic that, that seems to be characterized by people who are not believers 
Um, what, what's the message there? I mean, how are you guys intentionally aware? Uh, you must be aware that other people are probably listening in. Uh, what's that doing to you? What's your burden there? And how's the gospel driving you personally as you, as you navigate this? Oh, I'll go. Um, yeah, yeah. I, well, I've been doing a series on Tuesdays and Thursdays each week, just a short, you know, 10 that talks about, you know, kind of update of where things are at with the virus and community and then our church. And then, but I've been focusing on, on God's characteristics and attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I start every teaching time with that the statement that God is real and and I do that intentionally because so much of the our community don't doesn't recognize that God is even real and so I started with the fact that God is real and we're talking about the God of the Bible and that the Bible is true and and so because I think people you know they they've grown up in our culture today not believing those things and um, so being very just intentional to say, hey, God is real. He's out there. He knows what's going on. He's aware. And he is truthful. And he, he wants to um, have a relationship with you. And so I'm very careful to weave those points into that because, you know, my hope is that someone's going to hear those things. And, and it's going to draw them in a little bit more to recognize, okay, there is something bigger than all of it. And, and our church needs to hear that message, too. We need to be reminded ourselves of, of the gospel, you know, that God, God is true, the Bible is real, the promises are relevant. And pr- those promises are most relevant at times where, where there's an, a, an, an absent in our life, where there's trial. And uh, so, yeah. Um, Jay, um, you know, it, it's, we're hopeful that this becomes, you know, a lot of, lot of videos out there I've seen, you know, this is going to be a revival and we're watching in culture that there seems we're even becoming more polarized. And I don't mean just politically. I think a lot of this is spiritual. Again, the way we're responding to this depends on our worldview. It depends on our theological framework or absence of, of any theology. Uh, how does the church prepare for the fact that this might, I mean, we're seeing places in the country today where churches are being isolated. They are being targeted. And, and uh, I won't say that this is my fear, but there's a, there seems to be, I'm observing the fact that there's, there's a phenomena going on with this. There, it's, it's bizarre. This is, it's, there's something else going on here, and I wonder what God is doing, you know. So how do you reflect on that? Just how, how different will the church be? We're definitely trying to prepare our, our people, our, ourselves, uh, to recognize the moment um, that there's, um, that the, the concept of, of being isolated, what we did on uh, for our Wednesday evening lessons, um, we were in Deuteronomy, um, and because of the the nature of of who could potentially be watching, we changed from Deuteronomy over to doing something that was a little bit more directly evangelistic. Um, not to say that Deuteronomy wasn't able to do that, just but it was it required more uh, content to be unpacked before anybody could make sense of what I was reading. So we've shifted now into going over the prison epistles. Um, and so, you know, the whole shelter in place and trying to focus on here's what can be accomplished from a shelter in place scenario. Mm-hmm. Here's how the church continues to grow. Here's how the church continues to receive instruction um, and marching orders. And, and we really try to um, focus in on here's, here's how solid the joy of, that Christ uh, provides is. And here's how we develop our lives 
out of that and the context of what goes on is almost inconsequential. Um, it becomes more and more satisfyingly true the darker the day gets. Yeah, that's that's because good. I think for, for one, one eye-opening thing for, for me, I think, was um, we, we have just recently restarted uh, small group ministry. Um, and it's, it's a small beginning, but we'd, we'd love to see the entire church engaged in that. Uh, that would have made a season like this so much easier uh, to transition to where, okay, if we shut down the building, we'll just move to the mm. house church model. And just we can make that switch on uh, with something like that. Um, and so that's that's been something I think that's been been highlighted to me, and, and you know, as as we return to the the regular routine, uh, something I'll be probably pushing more in our fellowship is just saying this is you know, as far as keeping people connected, keeping tabs on people, and making sure that they're not isolated, though that's that's the vehicle to do it through. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. other thing, uh, just in in the greater context, I think is it's seasons like this. Under under pressure, under duress, under stress, that that really reveals what's in us and the nature of our faith and, and where uh, where you know where our confidence rests. Uh, as far as what's even within the church, you know what comes out of us is is what's really in us, and so it, it presents a real opportunity to address those things and and the solution that we have in the gospel in Christ in all that He's won for us. And so our um, yeah yeah so those, yeah. Those if you would if you would have told if someone would have told us a year ago that churches will not be able to meet we would have thought oh we're going to be persecuted we would never have thought that it was this but the but the the impact the implications on the church is almost the same isn't it because we're not able to meet uh so brian i mean what's yeah. your what's your again let's let's be a little bit raw here what's your concern moving forward here well i, I think it's going to take time for for um culture to be able to get to get back to what might be considered normal people are still going to be a little eerie about coming together in large groups um they're going to take their time i think and so or it could be like the beaches um, in florida where they flock back to church you know have you have you thought about that well i think you're looking at a different demographic when you talk about the beaches and you talk about church true Um, true. so um because one thing that that I found interesting was that um, you know even that very first Sunday when nothing was really in place yet, you know, we saw a lot of our families decide to stay home that first week um, just because they weren't sure to watch out for their children. So I think that's a demographic that you know hmm. might take a little bit of time for people to be ready to jump back in. Um, you know, so it's, I think it's going to be even when things do open up, it might take a little bit of time for people to. Um, move back towards normal. And so I think we've got to continue to uh, keep some of our practices and our communications in place in order to give them that uh, transition back to when they're ready to move back to to kind of where things were or a, a closer version to where things were. You know, so we're having discussions as church member. We have, we have elder meeting tonight and we're going to be discussing about just as we move forward, what that's going to look like uh, specifically and uh, what things we're, we want to continue to do uh, that we've adopted during this time and, and the things that... Yeah, uh, churches have to have their own reopening strategy, don't they? That's really fascinating. Right now, as as we are, are doing this interview uh, on the 21st of April, we don't know when churches will be able to start meeting again, you know, so hopefully, hopefully that will be answered soon. Well, you know, one of the things that I think has been really cool is that I've seen a lot of even news reports, like actual news people 
local news picking up on some of the things that churches are doing during this mm-hmm. time. And they've been really positive. And, mm-hmm. you know, churches have gotten involved, who are doing things, who are taking, you know, food up to the hospitals or, or providing for, um, you know, shelters of different kinds and, and these things. And, and the, the secular news is picking up on these things. And so I think that that's actually show, putting the church in a good light during this time actually be something that, that will help people that uh, aren't, aren't believers um, maybe reach out to the church because they're seeing these uh, acts of, of care taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the, some of the concerns uh, people have, and I'm just curious how you all are, you don't have to answer this directly, but just how you're processing the, you know, the concern, the reality that, um, <clears throat> you know, churches do require, you know, the, the funding to be able to operate. You have staff, uh, some of you more than others. Uh, how are you all navigating that? I mean, how, how are things going there? And, and if, if a church is fearful about this, if someone's listening and they've been impacted, how would you encourage them? In terms of the financial impact of? of yeah, the- yeah, yeah. Well, so we, we um, at our church, um, understand uh, financial stewardship to be a um, blessing from God, uh, a responsibility from God. And so we, we ways for people to continue to do that. Um, and so we had to kind of get a little bit creative from where we previously worked. Our only platform to give prior to the season in person. And so you know, we're kind of behind the curve in terms of, you know, the online tech options. Um, but so we had to kind of institute an online giving platform. Um, but we also mounted a, a secure like lockbox to the outside of the church that people could just drive by and drop off their, their, uh, their contributions in that um, as well as like letters and other things of that nature. That's actually been the most used form of continuing to give that we've seen has been people just driving into the church parking lot, throwing it in the drop box and pulling out. Yeah. It seems from what I've heard that people are con- are super aware that this is impacting the finances of the church. And uh, Aaron, have you, have you seen people intentional and responding well to that? Yeah, we've we've actually been been really been really fortunate. We've we've had online um, giving option for a while. Uh, we've got a younger congregation. We do have some older people uh, who are a little little nervous about the the online giving aspect, but uh, but but by and large, it's been there. And um, um, I, I think probably one of the things we did is is we just said, you know, um, we're we're not worried. Just we we I think we prioritize the fact again, as we said earlier. Uh, that the, the priority here is, is, is connecting and, and, and gathering in any way that we can and fellowshipping. And I think as we've kept that the priority, the, the giving has, has followed that. Um, and so we actually, it's a, a testimony to the Lord. We had a finance meeting just last week and uh, we're actually, we're, we're right on track. And so we haven't good, really good. experienced any setbacks here, which I know that's not the case everywhere, but we've, the, Lord's, the Lord's been able to be faithful to us in yeah. that regard. <clears throat> good, good. That's encouraging. Um, Brian, I'll let, I'll let you take a stab at this. Uh, you know, the good chance a number of pastors, church leaders are going to be listening to this. They're discouraged for a number of the reasons we've cited here and, you know, our burden for our people, we're, we're taken away from the very thing we love to do most and that's to shepherd and love people. And so there, there are a lot of people discouraged and, and perhaps even fearful, uncertain. What do you, what do you say to them? Well, I, I go back again to the book of Acts, and we constantly see ad, ad, 
adversity in that book, but as a result of the adversity, we see the spreading of the gospel and we see the, mm. king, the kingdom growth. And so, you know, it's, it's saying, okay, we like comfort. We like to know what's going on. We like to have control. Um, but God is so much bigger than we are and his plans and ways are so much beyond us. And so we sit back and we just have to, to hold on. He's our hope. He's our light. He's our life, our peace, our joy. And we find all of those in him. And as we keep our eyes focused on him and say, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And then venture to say, I want to get on board with what you're doing. Help me be creative in my own thinking in that. Uh, then that allows us to get caught up with where he's at. Instead of us trying to do our thing without, you know, we need to be asking him first, what's your thing and help me get on board. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and that's what adversity always in the New Testament brought growth and brought kingdom growth. And and we've got to have that same mindset. Yeah, I, I love that. And that's so encouraging. And I, I, I really, I really hope people hear this, that uh, you look historically, and God's track record is that he, the church grew the most under persecution. You know, the term diaspora means through sowing. And, uh, and also, you know, we need to prepare ourselves, too, as I alluded earlier, I think when the connection was bad, that uh, this, does, this can be polarizing, but the church can grow, will grow, will be strengthened, but the, the attacks, the targeting against the church could increase as well. Jay, looks like you wanted to say something. Yeah, there, there's a... Um I listened to an interview. And we have less than a minute. We're going to be shut off. So you can have the last word. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, there was a, an interview between um, a, a scholar on Luther talking about his book on the bondage of the will. And uh, he, he was comparing the, um, the man Erasmus and Luther in terms of how they developed their theology. Um, and he described Lu- uh, Erasmus as a guy like sitting on, the, on a country hillside in sunny weather. Uh, it was pleasant. And he described Erasmus's theology as a reflection of the time. And he described Luther's theology as like an ant crawling up the same hill in the middle of a storm through the weeds. And Mm. it was tumultuous and painful and difficult. But he he had a different tenacity about him. And I think that during this season, the church can actually become a little bit more tenacious for the truth and a little bit more... uh, worked out you know a little stronger as a result and that's not for just the church generically but for us pastors specifically yeah be able to to learn how to maybe suffer a little bit better yeah Um, solid 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 word jay i'm uh, sorry to cut you off but we've got like seconds left guys thank you so much you guys did a great job and thank you may the lord continue to bless you and give you guys wisdom as you as you lead your your folks thank you thank you thanks mitch thank you Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. And if you want to see more podcasts, uh, you can go to my website, www.beforeyouquit.us. And we're up to about 63 podcasts right now. This might be a good time for you to go back and listen to a number of really encouraging uh, stories from people that I've interviewed if you have any questions about anything we've talked about today, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged, be courageous, because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. <laughs>